Hey, everybody. Welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Every Sunday, we feature brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, our guest is a renowned colorist, a master educator, podcaster, and brilliant content creator. Um, he is a shining star of inspiration on stages across the industry. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, Jack Howard. Oh, thanks for having me on, Gordon. And what a lovely intro. You make me blush yet again. <laughs> so one of my favorite things to do, Jack Howard. <laughs> 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 yeah, welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, it's it's been a bit, but we, you know, we... I don't know. We're still kind of in weird times a little bit, I think. But we see each other from time to time on the road. It's not like the old days on the road where we all bump into each other so often. But at least a few times a year, we're seeing each other. Yes, I like being on the road. Anyway, I kind of I like. It. I think it's, there's something magical about it. I, I, you know, I someone asked me the question the other day for a different episode of of how many beauty shows I'd been to over the years, and I did a quick calculation. <laughs> We're going to talk about longevity and careers today. You and I both have, have had great long careers. I did the math and I've been to over 500 um, beauty shows and brand events over the course of many, many decades. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of concrete floors to walk through. <laughs> I think you're right behind me. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, as you know, we, we really focus a lot on best advice for our audience across all the different um, forms of content, education, things we do at BeautyCast Network. And so I love to start this podcast with kind of a, a best advice um, from someone else, someone who's given you great advice that you've kind of leaned on in the course of your career that's helped you have this really long, you know, successful career. Gosh, I think the, the one that jumps to mind for me is that, I mean, I've worked behind a chair for decades. But there was a moment in the late 90s when it, it was transitioning into education. And I was going up, up on stage and they wanted me to do this technique that I thought was absolutely rubbish. I was like, I would never do that in the salon. There is no way I can sell this. And the, one of the guys there who was running it said, look, you're super salon successful. Just do that. I've stayed with that through you know, 20 odd years of being on stage in classroom, working for brands, I've always spoken to the commerciality of hairdressing. And the market I speak to is not the inspire with the avant-garde and the pyrogenics and everything. It's always been how you can work quicker, how you can work smarter, how you can make more money, which gives you a fantastic life or a better life. And that holds. And that is fantastic advice, especially in that education space, because it, I think it and we, we, we do love the pyrotechnics, but they, and they have their place, but usually that's in a big hall on a giant stage and you've got a 15 minute or 20 minute segment. And, you know, then there's where the education really, you know, where the rubber hits the road, which is in those smaller um, workshops, um, demo presentations. And as someone who's not a hairdresser, but who's been in the back of those rooms so often, the chatter in the back of the room, usually the positive chatter is when they see something they really get is relevant to their life when they get home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that at that time, I sort of, I made that transition back to England sort of 10 years after that. Nobody in that market was talking about the commerciality. It was all very much British Fellowship of Hair, which is also very avant-garde. And I stuck to it. 
And there was a huge market of people that had never really sort of seen the point of education to that level. And um, it's been great. I mean, hairdressing has changed, obviously. And today you're on stages all over for L'Oreal Professional. That's how you and I got to meet each other as we were coming through pandemic. And, you know, I, I, first of all, I, I've had a long relationship with LP, love, love what they're all about. And I think what you've just talked about, you know, that, that work that's relevant to what's happening in the salon every day, I, I always, I feel they're known for that. You know, they're known for beautiful hair. They're known, you know, for the, the quality of the products. But, but honestly, and this is not a commercial, I, I mean, I just think LP has an educational philosophy that, that's very attuned to who you are. You know, I've worked for a number of brands over the years. I started with LP. I've, I went off to Schwarzkopf at one point. I've done some stuff with Fudge and things in London when I was starting out. I do a lot on my own. Um, but I always come back to L'Oreal Professional because it, the aesthetic and the feel is, is, is very much me. Um, and I love the hair looks like hair. Um, how I see hair anyway. So, you know, and again, it's deeply personal, but that fit. It works nicely, yeah. I yeah. think. Love every bit of it. So, as I said, we've had long careers. We won't. Well, mm. I'll say mine's longer than yours. You're younger than me. So. Well, mine's 42 years next year. Oh Jesus! And I, I started at 16. I'll okay, do the so, math. Well, yeah. I didn't start till I didn't start till 22. You know, but I'm coming up on 45. Yeah, 45. There years. you go. Yeah. In the same league, my friend. Yeah. We, we are. So, so wonderful careers, wonderful industry. I know you and I both love it. We've talked about this before. So let, let's talk about the longevity because it's, it's not easy. Um, and uh, let's, let's go through some bullet points. Like, so big, big picture. If you had to grab a word uh, that, that's been fundamental in you being able to have this long career, let, let's dig into some of that. Being a hairdresser for me was an escape from home. And I had, I left home at 16. And it was, you know, it was a difficult period in my life, one of my many difficult periods. And it was either work in a shop, work in an office, which would have killed me, or start hairdressing. And the hairdressing was the lowest paid. But I chose it because I, I felt, felt in that staff room on that floor, I felt alive. And it, I didn't realize what a fantastic career it could be. There was no internet. There were a couple of magazines that came out that you saw things that didn't speak to me. Um, but, oh, my goodness, what a fun 42 years later. I am so grateful for whoever made me do that decision. But it's changed all over the time. You know, I mean, I, I, I only thought I was, a, and there's nothing wrong with this either. I thought I was a hairdresser that worked behind a chair and there was no, nothing else I could do in my career. I didn't know that you could. There were so many opportunities. And then I got a job in America. And of course, I saw all this. I saw people making a lot of money behind the chair, coloring hair. I was like, wow, I didn't know this could happen. And so I think it's being open to stuff and being willing to try new stuff. And that obviously, as you get older, that gets harder. I also think that, you know, um, and I think today more than ever, you know, we, we do talk about all the opportunities. That's been a new conversation, which I think is a really important one because a lot of people kind of hit a wall in their career and go, okay, maybe I'm done. And they don't realize those opportunities are there. So a really big conversation going on there. Um, you also mentioned difficult periods. I think we all have them and, and they, of all different types of levels. Sometimes it's the wrong client on the wrong day. And that becomes so difficult that 
it could end your career. Like you, maybe it there's a lot of break you. It can break you. And then there's all kinds of, you know, other things that people relate to that just feel huge and, and, and overwhelming. But let's let's talk about that for a bit, because I don't think we talk about it enough, because I think sometimes we're a little afraid to go down, you know, the more difficult parts. So like, especially with young people, we don't want to let you all know that it can be hard. <laughs> I'm just going to pull back the curtain a little bit, young people. If you're going to do it for a long time, of course, it's going to be hard at times. It just as life is. Life can, life can be hard. Life can be rewarding. Life can be fantastic. It can be also hard despicable and all those things and it's all relative to whatever's going on with you it doesn't matter if somebody else's is worse if you feel it you feel it exactly exactly so let's your i'm going to pick on pandemic because again we've had long careers we could do probably a six-part podcast on you and i's most difficult times of our career because yeah. we've been at it for a while so there's a lot so we've had our ups and downs you know but let's let's just pick a big one that i think everybody can relate to and, you know, I think for those of us who've had long careers, pandemic was maybe more earth shattering than others. Oh, my goodness. Pre-pandemic, I had taken on a global role and um, it was fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I'd never had a I'd had an international role. I'd had a, a countrywide role. But global, I mean, I was just like, whoa. And I made a, I made a sideways move with a brand that was less successful than the brand I was with. They were hungry. I was hungry. I was like, yeah, this is great. And all these places that I was going to visit. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then the pandemic came. And in a pandemic, like everybody else, you're inside. There is no global role. Uh, an independent contractor doesn't even get paid. Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. Good um, point. Good point. So it, I had money in the bank. And my husband was alive then. So, of course, he was able to support me, um, which becomes a privilege. But it was still difficult. Yes, Because of my... I am wrapped up in my work, work and my work world. It very much defines who I am in many ways. And the pandemic comes in, it's like, what do you do? I was, you know, I was doing okay on Instagram at that time. And I had some great advice. It was like, go live twice a week. And it was one week after we'd been locked down. I'm like, what am I going to do? I found some doll heads in the cupboards. I just started and you know one it made me super confident in front of the camera i learned how to like myself i learned so much in it and um and also there was this powerful community of hairdressers we we're all in the same boat you know and i was able to like i'm not upset today i'm not really good today thanks for joining me I could talk about and people were talking about and then this whole you know, thousands of people were joining that at the time and they were all supporting each other, saying what they would use if it was their brand and I was using this brand because that's all I had. And it was this moment where my world changed again. And, you know, there was a, a suddenly there was a hurdle, what felt like a really huge hurdle. I mean, I didn't want to sit in front of a camera. I didn't know about an angle. I didn't know, you know, anything about it. And I figured it out and people helped me and our community is full of people that help each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it was actually, it became career, a career defining moment for me. Mm -hmm. I would not know who Jack Howard is today um, without COVID. Um, not because you weren't known in the industry and weren't doing Im important things in the spaces that you were in, but they just weren't spaces I visited and I'm not a hairdresser. And, but I really try hard to pay attention to things that are going on everywhere. And during COVID, you know, you were hard to miss. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people were like, why are you giving this away for free? 
um, at that time. What you know, because people started doing charging and all that stuff, and I'm like, I'm just gonna. I am whatever. I was fifty something. I am gonna support my people. I am, you know, showing somebody online is different to showing somebody in person. The nuances are different. It's an hour's live. It's talking about what I do. It's the only thing I can offer up in support of my industry. It's the only thing I can give back in this moment is to do these lives. I get an awful lot from it. And it's and I found it joyful. And I'm like, why do I need to charge people when they're not even bloody earning anything at this mm-hmm, point? Mm-hmm. You know, but again, privilege. Did you have any aspirations for what you were doing beyond pandemic? Was it very much in the moment and I'm doing this and then I'm assuming I'll kind of go back to the way it was or fingers crossed I will? Or or did you see something new and different that might go beyond pandemic? Like what was your thought in the in the moment as you were doing it? In a moment, it was like, just let's get through this like everybody else. And then I started seeing what a huge Instagram account could actually offer because everyone was taking notice. Everyone wanted to, you know, people always want to ride the star when you're successful. They'll let you, you know, and it's great. It's a great feeling. Um, But also you have to remember that on your way down, they won't be riding your star down. They'll be riding somebody else's going up. Um, And so it was like, okay, is there an opportunity? And I put some money into building a a digital platform. Um, I recognized that I could increase my, my day rate. Um, I recognized that more people would want to come on a physical course with me. And I sort of uh, was able to sort of understand, with some help of some people, of course, talking about it, to understand the power of it without bringing ego into, obviously ego is there somewhere, but like not this whole, I'm a a star kind of rubbish. It was kind of like, this is what I do. And it was a great platform to showcase that. And for me, there's something joyful in if I can make a, a small contribution to changing the way that somebody works in a day, for me, that just feels absolutely magical and fantastic. And I feel grateful for that. Okay, so this will be somewhat of a cliche, I guess, what I'm about to say, but there's a level of turning lemons into lemonade that is around this idea. And again, having these long careers, we run into this stuff. You know, pandemic was the biggest lemon in my lifetime gigantic gigantic you know bigger than the biggest planet in the universe this giant lemon and i think a lot of us found ways in different moments um to to again turn it into lemonade um i look at you as one of the biggest examples because again i think you just became known globally in a way that without pandemic i just don't think would have been possible not that you didn't deserve it before but there's there's a there's a, a level of lemonade in this well, I would never have, even with a global role with a brand, I would never have had that kind of that kind of exposure at no. that moment. Right. You know, Reels had just started coming out. We'd taken like 800 files off my phone and recut them and edited them. One of them got 4 million at that time. And wow. it was just ridiculous wow. numbers. Yep. Great engagement, great conversations. You know, so yes. But I also, in that pandemic, I drank too much and I stopped drinking. Um, because I was like, you know, I'm never going to be able to do this with this. And so it's hard. The pandemic was hard. My husband was living in America and coming back to England. He was based in England, but working in America. He was flying between the two. We didn't know whether, you know, what was going to happen with all of that. Uh, It's like we'd we'd applied to move back to America because he wanted to move back. What do we do with that? 
I mean, there was a lot going on, but there was a lot going on for everybody. And again, if we take all that away and, and, and just think about life, there's a lot going on every day for so many of us. And, and the, cha- the challenge stuff isn't all, all the time, but again, you're gonna have a long career, you're gonna hit, hit those moments. So, so let's, let's go back in time a bit and let's think about your early career. You know, any, any moments in that, again, things that you bumped up against, you know, as practices, ideas, relationships in your work or, you know, any hurdles that you had to overcome that you think, okay, I, I did overcome that one. Maybe there's something good to talk about here. I think as I look, when we look back at our, our careers and our lives, it's often through rose tinted glasses or, you know, if you are adult enough to work through your, your stuff, as you get older, you see things differently. There were a lot of people that were super supportive of me that I probably didn't acknowledge in that time. I was an angry 16-year-old. And, but, the, you know, I did learn how to do all the fundamentals and the disciplines. And I think that the disciplines of sectioning, you know, on-base, off-base, pin curls, roller sets, perming, cap highlights with perms on top of them, all that mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. Has, has served me incredibly well in yes. my career in different forms, um, because I understand sectioning, I understand how the hair falls. So it's that fundamental training. And the the in those days, you turned up on time. You know, it was like you turned up a little bit beforehand. You had to train afterwards. There were things that people wouldn't necessarily do now, but there still was a discipline that if you're going to run a column, and a, a I think the goal for most of us is to have a busy column, you've got to be disciplined. You have to turn up on time. You have to be able to work with people. And when you first start out, you can't niche down, right? So niching down is this thing that everyone talks about. But when you first start out, you've got to find out what you can do. Yep. And you've got to bring some coins in to pay off those bills. And that means you probably don't have to do everything, right? And work-life balance, you know, what is that? A work-life balance for me at 57 is very different to me at 35. 40 or 17. So, but I truly believe to have a great career, you are going to have to roll with the punches sometimes. I think that disciplines uh, and learning to understand yourself. So a lot of us can be fearful of doing things that we don't understand. And mine would be, if you don't understand it, figure it out, get someone to explain it to you, understand it before you push it away completely, make sure you don't like it for the right reasons. Well, I love that. And I also love that, you know, this doing everything idea in the early parts of a person's career. And it, it applies to so many industries, just not our own. But, you know, I think there's role models all around us in this, especially those who've been in this for a long time, who, who talk today, you know, about maybe being a specialist. That, you know, you're a colorist. You're, you know, you are really, really deeply into that color world. Um, you probably, I, I would guess, maybe you wouldn't have known that being a colorist was for you had you not put your fingers on a lot of other things over time. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's critical. I have a, a good friend who's a chef and, and had to go to culinary school and, and you know, he specializes in kind of very modern fusion stuff, um, but had to learn everything. And he's like, all those basics of things that I, when I was young, really didn't appreciate or understand or necessarily even want to learn. He's like, every one of them serves me well now. He says, because I've learned how to take those really classic techniques, maybe that are French, and apply it to what I'm doing, which is completely different. And he's a huge success. 
Absolutely. And if you think, if you want to do TV work or film work as a hairdresser or session styling mm. or magazine work, you need those fundamentals because that's what it's all built on. If you just want to work at, behind your chair in whatever town you live in, your clients will get older and will need different things too. And you need to be able to understand them. You don't have to, but if you don't, you are limited. And limited means there's less opportunity later on. And that worries me. Yeah, because we're, we're in an industry that we all say, you know, it's constantly changing. And I don't think everybody really appreciates how profound that change can look like over the course of 20, 30 years when you think about fashion and hair. And yeah, talk about that for a moment, because you again, you've lived through all that. And um, I don't know, like, what are some of the things maybe that you look back on technically as as an example of things I learned, maybe tossed aside, but then 10 years later, I'm like, thank God I learned that. <laughs> I think probably all of it, all of it, to be honest. I'm, I, my teacher at beauty school said to me that shampoos and sets were going to be my bread and butter and I better knuckle down. Now, they, I think that he phrased it wrong. Right. In the sense that it could have been like, you know, this is a skill set that can take you through your career. But he only really saw it as that. For yep, him. Yep, yep. Um, but I did knuckle down and I did it. And I think that even now I can explain to people how to do things that I, I would like, you know, from a, a blow dry or a styling. I can't necessarily do it brilliantly myself because I'm so out of practice. Um, but how the hair falls and navigating all of those things are great for a colorist. Um, and, you know, the rules of color don't change. They've never changed. You know, all we're doing in when we, we regurgitate is we're adding a spoke to the wheel to make it run faster. I love that. That's a, that I, haven't heard, I haven't heard that analogy, metaphor, whichever it, it is before. I, I, I'm going to borrow and use that one. Now, I, I always love... Um, talking to, to, to people from other parts of the world. Um, little word, I love language. You mentioned earlier, I should have said it sooner, um, about um, your column. We've, I, I've never heard anybody in America, I, I know what you mean as I was listening to you, but for those who may, may have gotten lost, tell us what a column is. So for me, a column is your day. So when you, when you used to have a paper book, Yes. right? There a were paper columns. appointment there were, book, there were columns and everyone yes. had their column. And your name was on the top of it. And if yes. you look at a big computer screen, there's yep. still columns yes. with names above it. Yeah. And so for me, that it, I've always seen that as my moneymaker. So how do I position everything in the day to make it work for me? Some people don't want to work, you know, multiple clients at a time. Other people want to do that. I mean, you know, you do whatever you want to do with it. But making sure that it is primed for maximum monetary value that day because you're only as good as that day's work. Um, so at the end of the month, you open your paycheck and you're like, yes, that, that was a good month. Or bi-weekly here. Some of the best, best hairdressers I've known you know, over a long period of time, you know, going back to those days, pre-internet, pre-apps, pre-tools, pre-booking systems. But again, the basics of the business are the same. We just have different and better tools today. But that idea of the column, I, I think of you know, a few people specifically who... I know we're the ones who would stare at it and go, okay, how, how do I make today's column better tomorrow? How do I feel? I can see those gaps in the column. What could I have done that would have filled those gaps in before today when I, I don't have an opportunity? Or better yet, ooh, I see some gaps. How do I take that 90 minutes that I put aside? I've got another 30 minutes and I, I don't, 
necessarily need to go do anything. How do I turn that 90 into two hours by adding, doing some add-on services? I mean, that analytical side of thinking of your day is really powerful. Really powerful. And it's a really great tool because you can see opportunity. Maybe that client had booked in a half head, but she really does need a full. Do the full, right? Maybe there's some treatment opportunities in there. I think as long as you believe passionately and truly in what you're doing, people will accept those ideas. It's when it just feels fake that you're just doing it. And you can see the difference between somebody who's just taking the money and somebody who loves the work. And if I can see that in a room, a client can feel that in a room. I want to talk for a moment about, about the column and to connect the dots to boundaries. Um, because it's a big conversation today. And as somebody who's older, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, I don't know, maybe I look sideways at it for all the wrong reasons. But because I always tell people, I was like, well, I've always known people who've had boundaries. I know it's a big, important conversation and perhaps past generations, because the world was different, maybe not enough people had them. But interestingly, I, I've learned a lot from people who had them. And I'm, I'm proud that people are talking more about them today. But I think the column is a great tool if you want to have boundaries. It's planning your day, planning your week. You know, I, I've forever said to people long before the pandemic, everybody, please take a lunch, you know, and, and, and just make sure you plan your day in a way where lunch happens. Um, I'm a diabetic, so I have to have lunch. So and I'm like, it makes me a healthier person. Everybody should find a way to book out for 30 minutes if that's if that's works for you. We all work differently. Does, does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm not a big lunch person. Um, I, you know, we were never, we never really did lunches. But as a colorist, there's always something happening. You know, it's like it, it's processing quicker. It's you know, it's processing slower. It's like three people are being rinsed at once or something. I'm not a big lunch person, but I, the way in which I navigate that is, I take, I mean, I take this huge thing of water in with me. Mm -hmm. but I also take a tin of tuna fish, a couple of power bars, two bananas. I don't want to sit down and eat. Yep, personally. Yep. So, so making sure that I look after myself is super important, but it, how I look after myself isn't necessarily how somebody else is going to do it. And I think at one point in my life, I probably would have judged someone in a bad way for taking wanting their hours lunch. I would have been like, that's not working hard. But as I've got older, you know, there's this softer side of me, which is quite amazing, where I'm like, you know, you've got to do you. But at the same time, if you, if you take that hour, <clears throat> and you're not making your money, you've, you've, you've chosen to take that hour. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we can't complain about it. That's a really important point. And I want to add to that, that, you know, and you brought this up really clearly, we all have different boundaries. And I think it's important yeah. we don't put ours onto other people. And, Absolutely. you know, but that we all understand the consequences of our boundaries. No one talks about that. You know, what are the consequences of boundaries? If you take your eight hour day and it becomes a seven hour day because your boundaries say, I need to go have lunch for an hour, as you said, nothing wrong with that at all. Do the math, your income is perhaps gonna be different than had you worked through it. Or maybe you add an hour onto the end of the day. I mean, there's a lot of ways to consider it. We all have to just figure out what works for us and helps get us through life and allows us to have that long career. But we, we can't compare ourselves to somebody else who has different boundaries and, and, and perhaps be bothered by it. I, I don't know if I'm saying that well. I agree with you. I mean, we've all got different needs. I think when you're starting out, I always looked around and looked at people that I was, that I perceived to be successful or, you know, fashionable or doing the right th the things that I liked. And I was drawn to them. We're always drawn to people who we like, I think, or who we relate to. And they work that way. And so I've worked that way most of my life. But it's only recently, and if you think, 40, 
two years. Only two years ago did I stop working Saturdays. I used to think Saturdays were so much fun. I loved them. They were busy and mm-hmm. it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd sort of get off on the number of people that I'd done. Mm-hmm. Saturdays are no longer the busiest day in the salon. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't need Saturdays anymore. I can be busy any day of the week. I think that sometimes in our industry, people who like myself who and yourself who have been here a long time, we say that this is the way we did it. And so therefore, that's the way you must do it. That's not true. I think the way that young people do it also show me a way in which I could change the way I do it. There's a lot to learn from each of us, um, each groups. But I think that, you know, try all the different ways for it. And But when you first start out, you've got to hustle, right? You've got to build that column, that book. You've got to build it, which means that you have to be on the salon floor, right? And to me, that means that other people see you. So when I started in a new city, I made sure that I was out there folding towels. I am six foot three. I'm old. I was folding (laughs) towels. I was wiping basins. I was asking people if they want coffee. And I still do that because people see you and they're like, who is that nice person? Thank you. Or they get to know your name. If somebody isn't in, maybe they'll come to you. Maybe they'll send their daughter to you. We are a people business. That that is like such good advice, and and um, it's going to lead us into our our last question. Uh, another piece of advice, but it's it, it's your advice to our audience for anybody who's looking, and I think everybody is looking to have a long, successful, sustainable, um, sa- satisfying. I think satisfying um, is is so important. When we talk about our careers. What what advice would you give folks, Jack? Oh, you know, gosh, it, it is a, that's such a hard one because it's based on so many different things. But I would say. In the moment, figure out what it is that you want and go for it. If you want a full column, make it happen. If you want to go into TV work or editorial work, look for those opportunities and still work your column because that's going to pay you to begin with. Recognize that sometimes the long-term goal is more important than the short-term payment. For me, that has worked very, very well. That is fantastic advice. Fantastic advice. This whole conversation has been filled with fantastic advice. Thank you always, Jack. We, we could talk for hours. We, we could talk for a long, long time. I, I hope to be able to have, have you back. The, um, tell us what's coming up. You, you've always got a lot going on. And, and also tell folks where they can find you, follow you. Um, not that you need any followers. I, I mean, I, every time I look at you, I'm like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> But I do, I do want people to follow you because you have so much great content. You, you show, you know, so much of yourself and in, in, in your life and in your career. So tell people where can they follow you and also what's going on, what's coming up. So all platforms, podcasts, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it is, it's all Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. Uh, finished all my education for 23, 24 sees some really cool stuff. I am doing a UK tour with Laurel Professional UK and Ireland, which is going to be exciting. I've got a couple of great events at the beginning of the year in LA, which is nice. And of course, independently, I work with Social Art House and we're going to be doing all the trade shows there too. I'm hoping that it's going to be a better year than this year. Um, And I'm excited about it. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I'm okay with that. Well, I have every confidence. It is going to be a stellar year for you. I, I will say we didn't get a chance to talk about this. And, and you and I have talked about it on, on a number of occasions, but you lost your husband, sadly, this year. It's been a very difficult year for you, Jack. 
And, um, but I've seen you re-engaging, you've been out there. Um, every time I get to give you a hug in person, I, 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 I can just feel the, the great energy as, as well as the sadness. And so again, condolences for that, but um, I'm excited, really excited about the year ahead for Jack Howard. Thank you so much, Gordon. I really do appreciate those kind words. So I will see you out on the road. I hope everybody will follow Jack Howard. If you have any interest in color, any level early you know you're just getting started or you're out there doing experience work you need to be following jack howard i, I don't usually say this about, about folks but you need to be following jack howard he's doing some really really interesting work if you have a chance to see him at a show absolutely make sure that you do um once again um i want to say thank you to our audience for for listening to the podcast uh, be sure to follow us over at beautycast network on instagram uh, beautycast on facebook beautycastnetwork.com and um yeah it's, it's been once again an amazing opportunity to bring you guys some value today from i think one of the most amazing colorists on the planet jack howard and um yeah once again mastering beauty podcast Gordon Miller, your host. Um, I cannot wait to share more again with you next time.